Welcome to episode 81 of Crack the Customer Code. I'm Adam Kapork, and I'm here with my co-host, the excellent, the amazing, the... <laughs> Keep going. One and only, Jeannie <laughs> Walters. You can't go wrong saying one and only. <laughs> it's like saying you are my favorite co-host. Yes, and you are my favorite co-host. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jeannie, tell us all about what is happening at the Connext. At the Connext. That's what we call it in the hood. We call it the Connext. <laughs> the, the <laughs> and, you know, do you ever wonder how to deliver the superior customer experience you visualize? I do. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you do. And you know what we found you need? You need a compass for making astounding changes in the customer experience while breaking down the silos that are holding you back. So we offer evaluations, workshops, and customized content to keep your wheels firmly planted on the road to a customer-centric future. Join us on our mission to create fewer ruined days for customers. Visit 360connects.com. That's 360-C-O-N-N-E-X-T.com. And if you'd like to reach our listeners, you can go to crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor. That is crackthecustomercode.com slash sponsor. And we'll give you an opportunity to talk to our people. It's not just about <laughs> us, Jeannie. We're not the only ones talking here. Our sponsors get to talk too. <laughs> and our listeners get to hear. Congratulations <laughs> on that, by the way. <laughs> we know you're very happy. <laughs> so Jeannie, I got to say, it's like the easiest softball kind of low-hanging fruit. I don't like that phrase, but it's used a lot. To be in customer experience and customer service and to do blogs and podcasts and all these things and to pick on Comcast. Well, they make it pretty easy, let's face it. You know, I'm not a Comcast customer, so let me start there. But they're in the news again. It's very interesting. And I wrote a post really hopeful and positive about Comcast. And I think I was <laughs> the only person back when they came out with, you know, we're going to change our customer service and our customer experience. I think you're I was such a, you're such an optimist. I, truly. I think I was one of the few people that are like, Hey, let's give them a shot. You know, here's how they can do it. Everybody else was, yeah, you said it before we hate you. <laughs> so I was literally, I, I was like Mr. Positive on the topic. Um, you know, I was a realist. It may or may not happen, but I said, hey, look, they're trying. The first step starts with admitting you have the problem. And then <laughs> we go through the stages of grief when we realize that they're not going to live up to what they said. Is that how this works? I'll let you say <laughs> it that way. I'm going to be a little more positive here. But on the other hand, they are in the news again. So what is happening with Comcast? And it was a very interesting article on fool.com. We'll make sure it is in the show notes for those of you into these things. But they are essentially starting to charge for data overages and data caps. Now, everyone has the rules in place and they've done it before and all of that. But the article makes a very interesting point about how they're setting up for the future. They're setting up the rules now with 300 gigabytes of data in order essentially when we start using much more high-def TV and 4K and all of this stuff to set you up for overages down the road. So this guy sort of analyzed it and looked at it as a long-term play. They're basically telling you now that, oh, 300 gigabytes is great, but if you go over, you know, you're going to pay this, you're going to pay that, and what's going to happen is we're going to all start going over down the road. Ah, uh, that's, so, that's not nice. Well, that's the, that's this guy's interpretation. And it is very interesting because it is truly where we're going. I've got one of those hotspots, right? Mm -hmm. And we've got 10 gigabytes on that thing a month. Okay. So the hotspots, 10 gigabytes. And really, if you're not doing video, 
Mm-hmm. You shouldn't get anywhere near that. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing video. And I'm like talking, talking to my wife and I'm like, hey, you know, we've got like a week left and we're at 75%. How is this happening? Yeah. And yeah. We, we are just bandwidth hungry and it, it's crazy. And I've got a 4K TV. I've got high def cable now. And yeah, I mean, if you, my wife uses, she doesn't use the high def. I use the high def. So I look, at the, I look at the disc and when you're like uh, recording the shows and, you know, you never get to them. So you start accumulating on the disc. Oh, and yeah. I, everybody <laughs> does it. Well, I go to her disc and it's like 10% full. She's got three times the shows I have. And mine's like 40% full because I'm taping the high def ones. Yeah. We had to uh, get on the kids not to tape like Pokemon and high def. <laughs> <laughs> Because we were like, you're taking it and we want to watch Game of Thrones in high def. You know? How can you not watch Pokemon in high def? <laughs> you're ruining the experience. I know. We're so mean. But you're you're right. It's it this is the world we live in today. And I think telling people that yes, we're gonna be customer centric, but then not really giving them what they need to be happy customers. That's not really walking the talk, in my humble opinion. Right. And that's the theme of the show today, which is walking the talk of customer service. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it is a complicated issue. It's not that they can't ever charge for data overages or people who are really abusing it. But it was very interesting when you look at what the limits are and you look at how it's sort of set up for where everything's headed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's fascinating how they've done that. Now, Comcast is one of the most... Uh, how should we say, reviled uh, customer experience <laughs> companies in the country. And that's not my opinion. That's just an analysis of how they are ranked in you know, yeah. all of these national surveys that are done. And the cable industry, first of all, they're in there with their industry. The cable industry right. is ranked terribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about the customer experience company that everyone loves and is always lauded as one of the great customer experience companies of the world. Let's talk a little bit about walking the talk at Apple. Interesting. We're gonna so, get we're gonna get attacked by fanboys and fangirls. Know, exactly. You know that we're so, dead. <laughs> well, it's 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 a good take on this because whenever I'm sure this happens to you too. Whenever I speak and you talk about customer experience, somebody always wants to tell you how much they love Apple. <laughs> like no matter <laughs> no matter what the topic or the audience or the industry, somebody always says, "Well, Apple." Blah, I've been an Apple fan since like it's a badge of honor, and I think to, you know, you're the one who brought this up and I think it's a really good point is that a lot of the steps that they're taking are not necessarily customer centric. They're design centric, possibly, but they're not necessarily really serving the customer in the moment that they need them. Yeah. I mean, one of the things about Apple is for better or worse, and to my take, it's for worse, but, you know, maybe for them and their profitability it's for better. They're an extremely heavy-handed company. Mm -hmm. I think even the majority of fanboys and fangirls would admit to that. I mean, it's Apple's way or the highway. And, <laughs> and which is, you know, with any operating system, it's a degree. really elegant, sophisticated highway, <laughs> right? <laughs> but it's designed really beautifully. <laughs> right. <but>. Exactly. <laughs> well, and what I mean by that is, you know, they've, they have made a lot of inroads into business. I mean, that mm-hmm. used to be the thing, right? Coming up. Okay. Apple was for the people in the design department. Right. And, you know, a bunch of freelance writers and things, you know, that's mm-hmm. who had Macs. And for your photos at home. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, business was Windows. That's just the way it was. Mm-hmm. And Apple had a really hard time breaking into the business market and honestly didn't get anywhere until the iPhone. Right. You know, right. I mean, that's when, the, that's when they started bringing people over to the Apple ecosphere 
so to speak, with iPhone and tablet and iPad, that's when they started making inroads because they could start saying, hey, your MacBook there. And then also there became the hardware reliability issue, Mm -hmm. which was they were able to make that argument finally once people use their other products that, hey, yes, we are more expensive, but you will get X number of months more life out of us. So in the end, we're not more expensive. Right. And people started singing their praises louder and louder too, which also did help them. Like they did have these legions of evangelists who made it their, their mission to convert people in their world (laughs) to Apple. Right. Exactly. And not every brand, I mean, very few brands have that sort of loyalty. So they should be recognized for that. Absolutely. And here's the thing. I don't think Apple is a bad customer experience company. I think they Mm -hmm. are. It's sort of like if you kept referring to as, you know, some sort of normal NBA star as as Michael Jordan. First of all, you offend me just by doing that. No, no, but that's what I'm saying. My point (laughs) is- I'm a Chicagoan. (laughs) Well, no, that's what I'm saying. If you kept going, he's the next Michael Jordan, he's the next Michael Jordan, but he wasn't living up to it. Yes, well, nobody he, will. But he was still a great player. <laughs> and hey, he's my favorite player of all time too. So I'm with okay, you. I got, I got your back. Um, <laughs> he was, that was genius. We'll, we'll get into that in another thing. <laughs> we, we need an episode about genius. <laughs> and just Michael Jordan. <laughs> uh, we could get some other people in there. Hey, you're, a, I don't watch hockey, but you could do uh, Gretzky, right? Yeah, for sure. And for I, could, sure. I could do Bruce Lee. Okay. He was an absolute genius. So anyways, we are completely <laughs> off topic. <laughs> Apple to Michael Jordan. But the point is, I think Apple is a great customer experience company, but I think they are somewhat overrated due to the fanaticism behind their brand. And, well, oh, go ahead, please. I was just going to say, and what I always say to people who bring up like Steve Jobs, because he was famous for not getting customer feedback. He was famous for that. So people say, well, yeah, you can talk all about listening to your customer, but look at Steve Jobs. Yes, look at Steve Jobs. He was a complete visionary for his time. And most likely the people that you have in charge are not Steve Jobs. And just like that, most likely the products and the services that you're producing are not like Apple products. And so I think the risk that we have is that when people look at them and say they are all knowing and everything they do is flawless they are missing that, first of all, they're not connected to customers in the way that most brands need to be. And the examples that we were just talking about where the rumor on the street is that their next iPhone may not have a headphone jack. And so that's to keep it like a millimeter thinner. And that means that anybody who purchases the next iPhone, and again, this is rumor at this stage, but it's been reported a lot lately is that you'd have to get a Bluetooth headset or you'd have to get an adapter that of course they would sell for the lightning connector to use headphones. So to me, that does not sound very customer centric. That sounds like we're going to do what we're going to do and you're going to follow us or not. Well, it's like they change the chargers all the time and all that. Mm -hmm. And granted some of that's just smart business. They're taking advantage of their captive customers. But I think in that industry, and I think you said it very well when you mentioned the Steve Jobs thing, which is this. Steve Jobs, and he had, first of all, he had his uh, failures. Oh, sure. He had a very long period of failure, in fact. Mm -hmm. Um, But they've taken that ethic, and he's not there. And that, to Mm -hmm. me, is part of the problem. So you you mentioned the headphone thing, which, so you have a $200 pair of Beats headphones Mm -hmm. that you bought, and now it doesn't work on your phone. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That is that's a challenge. So I was in there. I had to get a new uh, laptop for Renee, and 
there was the newest, newest version, and it has one plug, literally. And it mm. is for everything. It is for power. It is for you. And it's not a USB. It's one of the firewires. So all the stuff that's USB, you've got to have a converter. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I have like six things plugged into my computer all the time. I mean, yeah. I was like, well, what happens if I need to plug in and my battery's dying? Oh, well, it's an eight-hour battery. I'm like, this is the catch with Apple because they moved into the business market and They've always been a consumer-driven company. So much of what they've done is about pretty and design, not user experience design, visual design. Right. And it is not business-friendly. And the problem is I've moved over there as a business person, and I've had a lot. I mean, fortunately, they fixed their calendar. I can't even tell you a couple of years ago, their calendar wouldn't even do reminders. It was a mess. Mm-hmm. Because they. one of the things they do is they try to make their OS work across all the devices. Mm-hmm. So they mm-hmm. want it to work well on the iPad and the iPhone, and it really can... You can lose a lot of features. You can lose, and we'll put that. There's a great Fast Company article that I sent you. Uh, we'll put that in, and it's all. It's a huge one. Uh, it's all about how they are really not great at design anymore. It was right. fascinating because it's all about usability and right. the experience, and not just oh well, the font's really pretty. Right, because it has to be legible. <laughs> so <laughs> right. I think there are. I I think there are real challenges around it, but I think the lesson that I want folks to walk away with is. Okay, Apple might be really good and have this loyal following in spite of some of their actions and behaviors, but we should not necessarily follow that as a model because that's where I think people get really, they start tripping up and and focusing on the design of something to the point of losing the functionality of it. Jeannie, can can I, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were done. Go ahead. I'm done. I'm okay. I was just saying, can I drop a little macroeconomics? (laughs) You know I love it when you do. I'm just saying we've got two basic competitors. That's it. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the, that's part of this. That's why Microsoft ran the table for so long and that's why Apple's running it now. Mm-hmm. And you have no options. I mean, for any you know, sort of normal person, I mean Unix and all these Right. Those yeah, are all this stuff. Yeah, nobody, nobody's going to do it. Right. Those are outliers. Those are people that know how to code and do their own computers and have the time to do that. But for right. the great majority of the business and consumer population, it is Apple or Windows. Yeah. And that's part of the problem. And it always has been. These have always been these. This industry has always been dominated by giants. Now, the difference is Microsoft was uh, and I don't know what the phrase is. It's not open source, but was an open platform. They let people develop software for their. Uh, you know, for mm-hmm. their software, right, for their mm-hmm. operating system. So mm-hmm. there was competition in the sub market. Apple has it with the apps, but they basically control their entire ecosphere. Yep. much more tightly. It's a closed system. So now that they're gaining market share, we're feeling the impact of that sort of monopolistic uh, grip, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you're right. And I think it's, it is kind of a cautionary tale. Like, I think we do have to look to the future a little bit and think about how we want our customers to experience our products and service. And so if the future is that type of connector, great, but let's help them get there without making it painful during that transition. And I think that's the part too, that we have to think about as business people, how can we help people with these transitions to the future? And, you know, we're talking a lot about the folks who maybe aren't walking the talk so much, but there are some companies who I think are great examples of those who are not only talking about great customer experience and service, but actually delivering on it. Let's end on a positive note. I like that. Let's end on a positive note. So 
two that came across my radar uh, not too long ago. One is a couple of years ago, CVS, the chain of drugstores, they made a huge move because they started realizing that their brand that they were trying to get out there, their brand premise was about health and was about helping people connect the dots with their healthcare and their pharmacies, et cetera. And so the CEO basically said, well, how can we do that and sell cigarettes in our stores? That does not work. So they removed all of their tobacco products, which was a huge risk because that's where a lot of revenue came from. A lot of profit. And that's why a lot of profit. And that's why people walk in the store. So they might walk in to buy a pack of cigarettes, but then they buy other things. So they discontinued their tobacco products and everybody was kind of on pins and needles. And it turned out to be a great move for them because they could live the brand. They could get their employees on board with living that brand and they could really deliver a better customer experience based on the brand promise that they had. And another healthcare situation, Mayo Clinic, which is known for their patient experience and really being kind of cutting edge on that side of things, they have really distilled trying to figure out every point in their journey. How can we help people with their health? Let's focus on health to the point of signage. They really think about the signs in their clinics and their facilities. And one example is instead of saying no smoking, they have a sign up with the symbol of the no smoking, the cigarette with the red circle slash thing through it. But then it says for your health. And so it's a little subtle difference, but I like the way they're kind of thinking about, okay, If we are about somebody's health, it's not just about that interaction with the doctor in the office. It's about throughout, let's live it and let's help our uh, patients and our visitors really feel that when they interact with us. And so that's what walking the talk is, I think. It's really about living up to who are you, who do you want to be, and what kind of experience do you really want your customers to have, not just focusing on the profits or the revenues or saying we have great customer service because you think that's what people want to hear. We have a plaque and we have a little poster with people rowing together. Of course we do. <laughs> and a kitty hanging from the tree saying, and, hang and we, in there. All right. And we should be fair. We all fail to live up to our walk and our talk yeah. you know, at, at some point. It's really a macro question because in individual circumstances, especially the larger, larger the organization, yeah, we're always going to drop the ball, not live up to our talk in the moment, but are you trying, Mm -hmm. you know, are you making the effort just like you mentioned the CEO CVS? I mean, basically going, I think we referred to this when we did the retail greetings episode, you know, the sort of like, uh, be healthy. I can't, I can't remember what their greeting was. Something that was like Walgreens. Be, yeah, that, get, that's Walgreens. Right, yeah. Get well. And here's your Marlboros. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, so uh, kudos to him and kudos to the teams at both of those companies for putting the focus on messages and mm-hmm. product delivery that enhances what their true sort of raison d'etre is and right. their their brand experience. Customer experience missions. That's what it's all about. Ooh, mission possible. Mission possible. Like yes, that? I do. You can use that. It's trademarked. That'll be five cents. A, <laughs> five cents a use. Thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. I'm making t-shirts. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 81 of Crack the Customer Code. You can see the show notes for this and all of our episodes, as well as subscribe and send us feedback at crackthecustomercode.com. We love feedback. 
(laughs) (laughs) I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can find blogs, infographics, and more ways to learn how to understand all of your customer touch points at 360connects.com. And I'm Adam Tuport. You can connect with me and find out more about our customer service workshops and training at customersatsick.com. Until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.